0: Alright, welcome to Crossing Broadcast, I'm your host for today, Kyle Scott, joined as always by Adam Lefko and Russell Joy. I'm in the uh, driver's seat for the day, Adam is still down the shore, and on, are you on your phone, or are you on your
1: computer I'm on my headset? computer, I just don't okay. have a good microphone, so I've lost my hosting powers.
0: It's seated control over to me, uh, we'll see how rough the transitions are. Let's get right to it. The Sixers are going to trade today. It will be finalized with the Celtics for their number one pick. The particulars of the deal as reported thus far as of Monday morning, though it's not 100% official and completed yet, the Sixers will get the Celtics number one pick and will likely take Markel Foltz with that pick. They will send their number three pick this year. The Lakers pick next year if it falls between two and five. And if it does not, they will send the Kings as of now unprotected 2019 pick but there were some reports yesterday or late night on saturday that that pick may also have protections on it so guys uh your thoughts on the deal as proposed i could not could not possibly be more thrilled yeah it's it's definitely exciting stuff
2: um there there is no doubt whatsoever that that as a a hinky truther this is Probably the, the best thing that Brian Colangelo could have ever done for this organization. And the fact that he reportedly has gotten protections not only on that Lakers pick, but even potentially on that Sacramento pick, is absolutely mind-blowing. And I've enjoyed reading the, the Celtics fans' uh, Reddits and watch them try to rationalize how their, their uh, you know, Green Lord, Dan Danny Ainge, um, really is out-thinking and, and fleeced to the Sixers, which clearly it appears they have not.
1: I don't understand how that's a thought. Yeah, so I'm reading this morning that the Kings pick could be protected if it's the number one pick. Again, that's still wait to be seen. But, uh, yeah, I I've, like uh, Jordan Schultz, who I know uh, was breaking information beforehand uh, that we were talking about, he's a friend of mine, he was saying that it's a, a fleece job by the Celtics. I, I don't understand. They're giving up one future first-round pick for Markel Fultz. That's it. One future first-round pick. And we have four in the next two years. Because the pick swap is not giving up anything. So I don't understand that at all. Um, I think that I always find it very funny that right afterwards, all of a sudden, we start questioning Markel Fultz. I know we're going to get to this later. Uh, The Bob Brookover piece is the Mona Lisa of awful philadelphia content it is it is pristine in so many ways um i yesterday i'm still down the shore as i mentioned but you know you go to the beach and you talk about the sixers that's literally what we've been doing for the last five years me and family friends and i had to explain to everybody that they weren't giving up the kings and the lakers pick and everyone was looking at me and going wait, they're only giving up one. I said, yeah, and then everyone, oh, that's amazing. Uh, I still, I I think that this is such a steal for the Sixers if Fultz ends up being the guy, and I genuinely believe he is the guy.
0: Yeah, uh, look, this could be one of those trades that at least initially is good for both teams. Like, I can understand, if you're the Celtics, first of all, if you're a Celtics fan, Bill Simmons seemed a little bit upset and I've seen both sides there are some people who thinks the Celtics fleece the Sixers there are some people who can't believe the Celtics didn't get more and think they bungled it Um, right now though it could be one of those trades that both sides wins if you're the Celtics and you think you can compete legitimately over the next few years then they're most likely gonna take these picks and flip them and whether that's for Jimmy Butler or something else, they might use these picks as leverage. I saw there was one report on Saturday night that said NBA sources don't think the, you know, again, again, quote NBA sources. But NBA sources don't really think the Celtics even care about the pick protections because they're just flipping these picks anyways. So if that's the case and you're able to, to, to flip the number three this year and another high round pick or, or maybe your own one or two extra of those over the next few years to get what you need then that's a win for the the Celtics and they're going to save a little bit of cap space by virtue of getting the number 3 pick over the number 1 pick just on the way the you know the rookie salary scale goes so this could work out for the Celtics but on the Sixers end I don't see I don't see the argument that they in any way got fleeced here and what I've been trying to explain to people is this is not this Yes, they gave up a lot. You've given up two first round picks to move up two slots. But I don't think you could look at each slot as sort of a progressive uh, correlation with value. Like, you know, if you're moving from three to four, that's a 10% bump. And four to five, a 10% bump. And vice versa, if you're moving down. I don't think that's how you look at it. I think the value as you get closer to number one gets exponentially larger. Or the, the curve on the, the value goes up greatly so two slots to move up to number one is not just two slots it is getting the number one pick in the draft in a draft where there seems to be a consensus number one player who also happens to have the position you need so I think that's one I think two is this isn't the Phillies this isn't Ruben Amaro selling the farm to get mid-career expensive veterans or the sort of thing the Sixers may have done eight nine years ago this is this is, giving, this is the whole point of optionality and collecting assets. They had these extra picks. Quite frankly, they don't need that many first round picks. We saw what happened when you had Embiid, Noel, and Okafor. When you just take what you think is the best player available, then you're left with a log jam, and, and they still haven't gotten out of that. So having like five first round picks over the next three years, it's really an untenable situation the whole point of having those picks is so you have the ability to do this and like you said adam they didn't trade or i think you said this they didn't trade their own picks they just swapped picks this year and then threw one of those extra picks in next year I mean, like, I don't see how anyone could be even remotely upset with this on the Sixers end. And anyone who does is just... I saw, like, um, one of the old 97.5 guys yesterday, Jason Ashworth, on Saturday night. He's tweeting, oh, I have to see the pick protections before I can adequately judge this. Like, the fuck is Jason Ash? Thank you. We're all waiting on Jason Jason Ashworth's uh, observations of the fucking pick protections to tell us whether this was a good trade. Like, No. The protections are great, and they're just like icing on top, but they have nothing to do with whether this is a good trade. I would have still thought it was a good trade if they gave up the Lakers and Kings picks with no protections, because again, they're extra assets. I don't have a, I don't have like a question for you guys because I'm a shitty host, but someone well, respond to that. All right, so <laughs> um,
2: I I wanted to go maybe a slightly different direction on this. I the only go thing was I I really loved reading the idea that the Celtics were so excited that they were going to be able to move back two picks and take the guy they really wanted to take because they didn't need Markel Fultz because they are flush with guards, which I found laughable to the max because they're going to have Isaiah Thomas coming up where he's he's going to need a contract and he's probably going to be looking for a max. And then pretty soon they're also going to have Avery Bradley who could, in theory, I think the argument can be made is, is actually a little bit more valuable to them as a team because he's such a a great defender as a guard both of those guys are going to be coming up for contracts and the fact that like they didn't want Markel Fultz because they want to give Terry Rosier a little bit more you know playing time is just comical um Boston I think is just totally missing the mark on this one and I couldn't be happier or I guess I should say that they're missing the Markel
0: wow that was bad Wow, Adam had to Adam had to unmute. Just let the record show. Adam had to unmute himself to to call that bed. And
1: yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go in a different. Unmute. Oh man, that was rough. Uh, love your rough. That was rough. I think the the thing too that I found very interesting about the negativity. So we're focusing on right now on the other sides of this because we were all elated. I've been walking on cloud 9 um, look, It's so easy with faults. To fill out the five, false, Covington, Simmons, Sarich, and Bede. It's so easy. It just goes right into each other. Um, and what, what's interesting is we always know there's two types of people at the process. There is the older generation that wanted to win now and build around assets and get free agents, and this whole hinky thing is crazy. And then there's the younger generation that right now, this was their crowning achievement. But to all the David Murphys out there, to all the guys that, that are like, this, these guys haven't done anything, there are still so many questions about Simmons, Embiid, Fultz. There are. There's a ton of questions. But this is a celebration for everybody because now both sides, I believe, should truly believe that now we can judge what we've done the last few years. If Fultz is not as good, or Simmons is not as good, or Embiid can't stay healthy, then we're going to look back on this and go, wow, you know what? To put all of those eggs in, those, in that basket, it just didn't work out. And um, it, it just the, the process really was all for naught because we invest in the guys. We've picked the wrong guys. But celebrate the fact that we've picked guys. It is official. This is the core of the Sixers. Fultz, Simmons, Sharich, Embiid – Covington, Holmes, T.J. Uh, Luawu, and Fulcon Aldemir. And if there's, if I'm missing some guys that are still, you mean
2: Corkmas? R- I hope you don't mean Aldemir because he's. Uh, well,
1: that's right. I, I, Excuse I've, me, Fergan Corkmas, and also uh, our guy that created a pick swap, Stalskis. But that is the core that we've chosen. We will add big name free agents to that. We will add more. We will add three more first round picks over the next two years, unless we use them for movement too. But that main core, Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, and Scharich, that is our core. And whether you are a hinky truther like Roy, Roy, or you are more pragmatic, like I know a lot of the older Sixers fans are, it begins now. And so that's what we need to celebrate is we've we've figured out a core, and it's not – like the Detroit Pistons with Reggie Jackson, Cantavius Kent, uh, Caldwell Pope, and Andre Drummond. Like, that's a crap core, Tobias Harris. I like our core a lot, but it begins now.
2: This will also become a, a situation where people across the league, I think, as the Sixers get more national games, which they are assuredly going to this year. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're going to be like NBA League Pass team for everyone to watch because Embiid is such a dynamic personality that I think people are, are inherently going to want to tune in for him. But now that Fultz and Simmons are going to be playing this year, it just takes it to another level. I do think it's important to point out that while Sarge is, is very likely part of, I guess, what we would call the core, I'm not so sure he's going to be a starter on this team because I I would absolutely be shocked if the Sixers don't sign another, um, another guard to fill out the, the two spot, whether that's a JJ Redick, if that's a matching an, or not matching, offering a, a very high deal to like a Contavious Caldwell Pope. I still think there's a chance that they put another guard out there. It could even be Jared Bayless um, and that Sarge comes off the bench. But yeah, like I think long, long-term Sarge is definitely a, a building piece. I'm just not so sure that they're going to have him as a starter on this team.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm not like Sh- Sarge is definitely a part of this core um he's he's not on the level of the other three guys and um you know I wouldn't be shocked if he eventually becomes a terrific six man or more of a glue guy type which is just fine by the way like, you have your three superstars uh, Russ to your point the Sixers were already becoming that league pass team just with Embiid this is before Ben Simmons or Fultz have even stepped on the floor which is kind of crazy to think about you think about like a T.J. T.J. McConnell uh, he was becoming an exciting player to watch i mean he he's going to be a a the third guard option right so like i don't
2: go ahead I, I, I don't even know i really like tj and i think tj's a very underrated player in the league um i i don't know what his position on the team is
1: right like and I, that's, I, my, I wanna, that's my that's my
0: point like he was a, you know he's a, he was a starter and a, a central central focus of the nah, not a focus but he was he was, a, he was a big part of the team last year and he's going to get bumped down by faults and now bayless is going to be coming off the bench so they've instantly improved that quickly um we've gotten a lot of questions about i so i put out think for questions last night they all focused on the sixers obviously uh, i'm not going to read any specific one because there was just a bunch of very high level concepts um a lot of people thought, what are our real ex- realistic expectations for the Sixers next year? Uh, someone says, uh, if, if healthy is Curtis B54, they could see him being a 4-5 seed in the East. I, I agree with that. I, I feel like um, if, in, if Embiid's healthy and plays, let's call it 55 to 60 plus games because uh, they're going to rest him and the other guys are healthy. You most likely have a rookie. You potentially have a rookie of the year on your roster. Um, Embiid should be an all-star level talent. Like just with Embiid last year, there were points in the season where the Sixers were definitely, absolutely an above-average team for small stretches. And unlike baseball, it's not like rattling off five or six wins in a row. In baseball, like you'll see, the Phillies have done once Wait, or twice. Wait. So what a is
1: your what is your realistic expectation?
0: Well, that, uh, that's my. I'm, I'm trying to like talk it, like think it through here. Yeah, Is but Hanging, you just
1: said four. That's a 49 win season, and that's not what the word realistic means. That's a question.
0: All right, fine. I, I will go that they are somewhere between a five, a five, and a, they were a five or a six seed. Yeah, we're 42, going to be getting ahead of us.
1: That's a 42-43 win season.
0: Yeah, they're about a 500 club, slightly better. I mean look cuz what I'm saying is look at look at small stretches last year they were an above-average team playing against some quality opponents and beating and competing with them. And that was just that was just with Embiid for small stretches. So unlike, and I know you can say, well, that's a small sample size. It was five or six games here and there. This isn't like baseball. Like, that happens in baseball where bad teams will run off wins. That doesn't happen like that in basketball. You add, you're, There's there's going to be growing pains with these guys, no doubt about it. But besides just Fultz and Simmons, Embiid has enough experience and has shown enough... I don't want to say enough experience, thirty-one games, but he's played enough on the floor that we've seen that like he doesn't really, other than turnovers, he, he wasn't really making rookie mistakes. And there's actually a fairly workable roster around all these guys. So I don't think five or six is is out of the question by any stretch. Let alone, we'll talk about this in a minute. If they add a a somewhat decent or plus plus uh, free agent over the over the off season. Russ.
2: Yeah, it's it's not that that much of a logical jump um i i uh, maybe logical is not the the best word here it's not much of a stretch to think that they they couldn't at least get up to like 6 because if chicago ends up trading jimmy butler as part of like a massive package from from boston the future home of jason tatum apparently and indiana tr- and indiana trades um paul george who <laughs> paul george i think put indiana in the worst possible predicament While his his intentions were just in telling them that, like, hey, you guys are going to have to plan without me, like, they are—I don't know what Indiana is supposed to get for a one-year Paul George rental. But assuming that he goes as well, then there go your 7th and 8th seeds from last year. I don't think, like, Miami's gotten any better. Detroit is a middling franchise— the Hornets, the Knicks, the Magic, the Nets. Like, you can easily get past those teams. And so then you're nipping at the heels of, like, the Bucks, the Hawks. If Kyle Lowry leaves the Raptors, I have to assume they're going to fall from number three. So this really is contingent on can you get a guy like J.J. Redick to come in. And if you can, and you can get, like, a Gerald Henderson to stay on a on a team-friendly deal to provide depth and and veteran leadership, there's no reason they couldn't get up to, I would say, six.
1: Yeah, I think that's the high end. I think, to me, the low end is like the 36 to 38 wins, which would put you in like the 12 seed, which would be a 10-win improvement, which I think is pretty good. I think the hard thing with this question for me is the word realistic because we have no idea. As excited we are as about these three guys, we have zero idea how they're going to be. And we're not going to get the summer league as a preview either. Uh, so it's really hard to predict – uh, whether these guys are going to stay healthy. We don't even know if Simmons I, – I bet you they might put Simmons and Fultz on minute restrictions this season. Like stop, I could see stop. that happening.
2: Uh-huh. I could see happen- Simmons, maybe, maybe Simmons, not Fultz.
1: Uh, I could see it happening to both uh, because that's why you guys have always talked these last few weeks about the big-name free agent this year. And I just don't understand, unless you can get a guy like a JJ for like a three-year deal or something like that, I don't understand bringing a free agent into the unknown right now where I would personally, let's see this team for a year, and then when we know what Simmons is actually going to do and what Foltz is actually going to do... We could figure out and we can show the league how good they are. Then you bring in a free agent to build alongside of them because I don't, they're not making a run to the title this year, guys. They're not going to the Eastern Conference finals. So that's, I I don't understand spending right now. We don't even know. Like, I don't know what Simmons is. I'm just going to put that out there. But no one
2: does. Signing a Reddick doesn't necessarily deter you from finding out what Simmons is. You're not signing somebody Right, he's to the play. one
1: because he'll just stretch the floor and make it easy. Exactly. I just don't he, think he's he makes leaving it, L.A. Well, That's he makes everybody's life
2: life easier, but, like, if you were going to sign a shooter like him, that, that definitely allows you to see the strengths of, of Simmons, and it allows you to space the floor a little bit even more for faults. I, I get your point if we were talking about trying to sign, like— the the original idea of signing like a patty mills or somebody else to come in and play point or like some guy from toronto who i guess played college somewhere in philly like if you (laughs) if you bring in like one of those guys yeah then then yeah because it could get in the way of of simmons being a ball handler but if you're getting somebody who's going to just stretch the floor there's there's no reason not to splurge a little bit of that money they have the second most cap space in the league and then next year, yeah, you're right. Like next year, you go after a big guy, but it's not like you're going to try to go after two max free agents next year. And the contracts as they're currently constructed aren't really dictating that, that you have to have 40 plus million dollars of cap space available next year like you do now.
0: All right. Well, let me. Well, first of all, they, in theory, could go after two max level free agents next year. Not saying it could happen, but I'm just saying, you know, they could, if, but it's underrated. If LeBron James and Paul George wanted to take their talents to Philadelphia. They could pay them. Just saying, Um, but all right. So, like, let's talk about the free agent thing. Then I think Reddick. You guys both brought it up. He's probably the most realistic guy because there was uh, way back. I guess early realistic might not.
2: That might not be the best word for it.
0: Uh, well, okay. But uh, like he seems to be the guy that most people are mentioning. There was a report over the weekend that the Sixers, before this, were aggressively planning to aggressively go after him. I think now, if anything, that makes it even more the case. Like, I think we can all agree that Kyle Lowry is out at this point, right? There's no... I, I absolutely thought the Sixers thought and and believed the Sixers would have made a run at him had they not gotten Fultz. But now that they have faults, he's just going to take the ball away from him. He's too expensive. All the knocks on Lowry become that much more. Never mind that Kyle Lowry's leverage with Toronto or potential other destinations has just cratered because he was able, if, if nothing else, would have been able to use, use Philly or use their interest to his advantage. So uh, Lowry comes out as the big loser in all this, as much as that pains me to say. J.J. Redick, though, if they were going to go after him, now, like I think that becomes even more important. Like Adam, to your point, I get that they're not going to compete and probably not going to compete over the next couple of years, so signing a free agent might not on the surface make sense, but when you have as much cap space as they do, there's no reason why they can't put a respectable team on the floor. Again, this isn't the old Phillies where you're mortgaging the future to do this stuff. The Sixers just have free money to, to play with over the next few years. And unless you think you're going to be able to crowbar two max level contracts next summer in the formulation of the next super team, there's no reason why you can't go out and put a respectable product on the floor. It doesn't it doesn't stunt the growth of the young guys. And in fact, it so probably helps know, them if you can balance them out the with finances? the shooter.
1: I don't know the finances here. I know that I'm going to want if these guys end up being what we think they're going to be. I want Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid getting big contracts. So, if you guys know, I don't know. Giving the giving major contracts now is that going to impact giving those guys contracts later?
0: No, I mean certain. It
2: doesn't uh, uh, impact Simmons or or especially Fultz.
0: Yeah, Fultz, the, is, the Fultz MB- is, I'll lay it out. Fultz is, Fultz is you know, many years away, so he, it does not affect him. Embiid, if he's healthy and productive this season, will most likely, I guess, get an extension at the end of this season. Um, and, and he's going to get, Ru- Russ, what is his sort of like uh, max level uh, slot if, if they were to extend him after next season?
2: I don't know i don't know what that actual number is it's it's high but like you i think they have to go into it the same way that the warriors did with steph curry which is if if mb god forbid is injured this year or if he doesn't play full seasons that they'd be able to go in and try to work something out where like he doesn't get a max i don't know what that number looks like though i think it's in the 20s
0: and you're still three years you're still three years away from simmons you're four years away from fault so signing a short-term like uh, Derek Bodner laid this out when there was all the Lowry discussion. But before we kind of get too far down a rabbit hole here, but his point was basically the Sixers can max Lowry right now, could afford to extend Embiid next year and also sign a poor Paul George level free agent next season. Now, that would restrict them on the fringes of the roster and they wouldn't be super deep, but they would be able to keep Ben's they would have in 2 years from now, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid extended, a max level Kyle Lowry, a max level Paul George. That is how much cap space we're talking about. So signing a guy like Redick to something less than the max is not prohibitive at all, especially now that you think you've found your guard. So I I would, I have no problems. I would encourage them to get a guy like Redick because you'll put instantly put a respectable competitive team on the floor from day one. I think you'll be able to put all of the, the talents of your rookies on display. And I'm not convinced that within say it's a three-year deal or a four-year deal that you have Redick here for, uh, he he's a shooter. Guys like that age well. He's the number.
1: Hey, I'm excited to see Staliskis with this group. I mean, I wonder if Staliskis could be the three point. I mean, look, we've I've seen Staliskis was a good player for this team last year, and we keep talking about all these guys to spread it out. I would like to see what he could do. He's not a JJ Redick, but you know, I just I'm so excited about this core right now. I could give two craps if a if a if a free agent like JJ Redick joins. I just I think that's. Um, it's just so not in my thought process right now with what's really going on.
0: It's worth hate- pointing out. It's worth pointing out that Redick, just the total three pointers made, he was tenth in the league at last year. Three point percentage uh, among guys who fired up over, uh, say, four hundred threes, uh, he was number one, I believe uh with he, he shot 43 percent from three the year before he shot 47 percent and led the league he's basically been averaging 15 points a game for the last six well, or seven years so you know exactly on. what those, you're getting Go Those ahead.
2: percentages those percentages aren't right stauskas uh, is not shooting plus you know 40 Redick. Plus percent. Redick.
0: Oh, oh oh my bad my bad Redick. i may have said if i said Stauskas. I thought, my bad Oh no! Okay. I mean, Redick is an elite, uh, top five three point shooter in the league, and those guys age well. Uh, and that that now is the position the Sixers need. It's no longer lead guard; it's a shooter. So, look, you're not competing over the next few years, but I, I see no problem, and would be thrilled if the Sixers added Reddick. I wrote it last week when when this when this rumor first popped up. I guess it was Friday afternoon in one of my updates on the post. I said, "Go." get it done to get faults and sign reddick and now you instantly have a competitive and fun team you have a team that can grow and reddick could potentially be here by the time they're ready to contend i know russ you put in our slack chris mannix of the vertical quote if healthy philadelphia has a playoff team next season agreed in three years it's a conference title contender also agreed and and that would fall in that the window of whoever they would sign this year um Let's move on from the free agent talk because, uh, I mean, you could throw around a bunch of names, but I think the, the one the Sixers will key on and fans will talk about is Redick. And, you know, we've sufficiently addressed that. Um, to me, this, is the, this represents the culmination of the process. And we'll get into the detractors in a minute. But I feel like if you, you take a step back and you think about what the tank and the process was all about, it was about collecting it was about collecting assets not just for the sake of drafting and i think that's where you'll see some detractors really got lost you thought you're just being bad you know you call you see someone like tony bruno calling people idiots because anyone could lose and acquire acquire draft picks and and high lottery odds but the process wasn't just about losing it was what Hinkey did and why people love him so much was that he was able to not only turn those losing into higher lottery odds, but he was able to get additional assets by by taking on the sixer by using the Sixers' cap flexibility to their advantage and getting second-round picks and getting other things out of teams. So when you look at like you look what happened here with this being able to move up to get faults you take the number three pick this year, which really would have been the number five pick if not for the pick swap. So the pick swap gives you a pick that is more valuable. I don't know if the number five pick in this situation gets it done, because if the Celtics really want Jackson or to be comfortable taking ball and either using him or flipping him somewhere, that's not happening at five. So the, the three pick allows this trade to get done. Additionally, you have two other teams first round picks over the next couple of seasons. And they're using what was the Michael Carter Williams pick from the Lakers next year, not only to move up and get the Celtics pick, but oh, by the way, to move up and hop over the Lakers and fuck them with their own pick. Like that that to me is, is what the process was all about. It was about having these just slightly increased draft odds and slightly higher probabilities and optionality to get this stuff done when it mattered. It wasn't just about drafting as many number one guys. But if you want to talk about that over the out of the last four drafts now you can argue that the sixers as it stands today have acquired the best player in three out of the last four drafts in Embiid, ben simmons the easy consensus number one last year and markel fultz the consensus maybe to a lesser degree number one this year that to me is what the process is all about and i saw that there was a lot of talk friday night about this being the culmination and now you start to move forward I think if you're a reasonable person and you back in 2013 you would say yes this is going to be painful there's definitely going to be road bumps and and speed bumps and hurdles and things that are going to go wrong and they absolutely have but at the end of the day it's only been 4 years and in those 4 years the Sixers are now now have 3 of the best uh, the 3 of the be- best players out of the last 4 drafts and are ready to move forward. I don't think we would have been anyone like could have signed up for more if you said that in 2013. That's what they would have in the middle of the year 2017.
1: Yeah, I mean to me, it's this is this is the reason we did it, and now we're sitting here and we have the assets and we actually used them. And I think that's the we're feeling the opposite of what Celtics fans are feeling right now, where they're looking at this collection of like long guards. They have like five of them. They have these collection of. Of miscellaneous forwards, they have eight first-round picks in the next three years, and they're sitting there with this war chest of assets, but with no real direction. They don't and no know real cap space. Who, they yeah, they don't know who their guard of the future is. They don't know who their forward of the future is. Yeah, they like Jalen Brown, but their favorite player might not be on the team. The Sixers, it is pared down. It is we know who we want. This is it. We have a very long point guard that, that can shoot threes. We have a super versatile forward that is seven feet tall now that can play everything from point to four. And we have a new generational center that continues to keep freaking growing, who I feel like is seven foot two, seven foot three right now, and is an absolute face of the NBA. Joel Embiid is undoubtedly one of the most popular players in the NBA. And he's Already. Like, and they're and they're all under 25. Embiid's 23, Simmons is 20, Fultus 19. It's an it's incredible. So we have unlimited potential. We this is exactly what we did it for, and I'm going to give credit to Colangelo. I still don't like the Nerlens trade. I don't like how everything else went. But you can't like I'm going to give Hinky for setting it up. But if this trade ends up being a protected Lakers pick or a protected Kings pick, then you need to give Colangelo credit because he absolutely nailed it with faults.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. And this isn't, uh, I think theres it's fair to make some Phillies comparisons here. People look at Ruben Amaro when he went out and got Cliff Lee, and we all applauded him. We were all thrilled. I was leading the charge on that. But... Amaro went out and overspent. He used the Phillies' money and standing in the league and overspent to try and turn them into a title contender. That's not what the Sixers are trying to do right now. But very Colangelo very easily could have got himself a win here uh, and and still and, and tried to accelerate this process by by flipping these picks, moving up, throwing max money at a Kyle Lowry. And instead, he to his credit, he seemed to have been quite patient here. And was able if he's able to get this deal done with one extra pick and and that pick having some protection and uh, you know stipulations to it, then all the credit in the world goes to him. Because as much as people want the old school guys want to bash Hanky for just losing, I think there's a lot of new school school guys who want to bash Colangelo because of his um, I guess spotty track record and the fact that you feel like he's just going to do something dumb. But both guys deserve equal equal credit here. Uh, Hinky got the picks not just by losing, but by being creative. And every step of the way, just turning the dial just a little bit in the Sixers' favor. Giving them 10% better odds to get a better pick here. 10% better odds here. Giving them the option to swap picks here. All those little things allowed this trade to happen. And then Colangelo, rather than just ejaculate all the future picks away, is able to... You know, use use that dial to his advantage and trade what seems like the bare minimum to move up here. So I think both guys deserve equal credit. I'm with you on that, one one hundred percent. Russ, you have any thoughts?
2: Um, no, <laughs> no, I don't.
0: No, appreciate your. I, I
2: think no, because you you've gone down a couple rabbit holes. I think I think you've pretty much said everything there is to be said. I ju- I just want to ask you guys really quickly because I think. Boston fans are, are already delusional. Um, and I think Danny Ainge is already on thin ice. Would you guys be surprised if Boston ends up trading down again? Because if the reports are true about their love for Jason Tatum, I the the Lakers don't even throw this whole thing into.
1: Like, I don't care what Boston no, does.
2: No, but like I, I just think it's comical because if if LA ends up taking Josh Jackson, that leaves Lonzo Ball at three, which doesn't make any sense for them. I like I I just don't know how a Boston fan could be excited right now. Now watch, I'll say this, we'll post, and then in two hours, Jimmy Butler will be traded there. Eat up all the remaining cap space they have, because they have Al Freakin' Horford taking over $25 million against their cap.
1: All right, and let's then say
0: this. Like, before we go f- too far into the, the Celtics, uh, I think most yeah, people... Yeah, can we talk
1: about Bob Brookover, please?
0: Yeah, one sec. I, I think most people would assume that the celtics are going to or swap these picks and and that makes the most sense if they can get a jimmy butler out of this and turn themselves into immediate i don't know immediate contenders lebron's still in the east but let's say he 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 bolts after next season and the, the celtics would have a narrow uh window of opportunity there that's their number one but yeah if if for some reason you would think they did this trade because they know they they could pull that off if that falls through and if the Lakers take Josh Jackson, then, yeah, Russ, I'm with you. There might be a situation here where the Celtics trade back and come out of this with a boatload of first-round picks and Jason Tatum. And you're going to see Bill Bill Simmons having an absolute freak out on Twitter. He um, still
2: hasn't even addressed
0: the uh – the the more updated deal on Twitter he's like deflecting talking
2: about talking about like WWE I think it was money in the bank or something like that's what he's been tweeting about he is so dejected at this point he can't even spin it
0: all right. Uh, let's move on to Bob Brook over. One thing I want to add. A lot of I still getting questions like, "Hey guys, why is Fultz such a big deal?" Uh, I would, if if you really want to know that, I would recommend going back, listen to our podcast from Friday night. We talked about this for a good twenty minutes. Why Fultz is so much better than the alternative, and it's not that he is a talent that is leaps and bounds better than every other guy in the draft. Although you could argue that he's he's for sure the number one guy, but he's both the most talented consensus number one prospect, and also the guy who most fits the Sixers. But as a guard, yes. as a, as a late-developing 19-year-old guard, he scores from all three levels, and he checks he's every youngest, box he wants. He's an the NBA youngest guard of
1: all of them. Unlike De'Aaron Fox, he can shoot threes. Unlike Lonzo Ball, he can play defense. He doesn't have any of the holes that the other guys have. And judging people based on wins is we've all accepted is not real at this point, And that's why it makes sense.
0: Yep. Yeah. So if, if you want more on that, go listen to our podcast on Friday. It's 20 minutes. That's all it's about. Uh, let's move on to Bob Brookover. I know Adam's chomping at the bit here. I'm going to read two excerpts and then we'll let Adam react to start. This is uh, Bob Brookover's column today. He's, uh, he's skeptical about the deal. The lead, quote, I confess that I have never seen Markel Fultz play a basketball game, and I was not at his 76ers workout on Saturday in Camden. Still, it is hard to stamp a seal of approval on what the franchise is about to do.
1: Read the Except, headline.
0: Uh, I don't know if I have it in front of me. The headline
2: He doesn't is, write the headline. Ri- risk and price too high for Markel Fultz.
1: So he's writing off Markel Fultz, and in the first sentence goes, never seen him though, but it's too much.
2: He has, he has a real gem of a line later in this article where he says, I hate the idea of giving up... I got it.
1: Up- Hold on. That's
0: excerpt two. So excerpt two, oh. quote... But that's not enough to make me believe he is definitely better than UCLA's Lonzo Ball or Kentucky's De'Aaron Fox, the other two point guards who will definitely be selected in the top 10 Thursday. It would also not have been enough to make me give up one of the two potentially high first round picks I have in the next two seasons. Reportedly, the Sixers will keep their pick from the Los Angeles Lakers next season, unless it falls between two and five. If it's the number one overall or lower than fifth the celtics will get sacramento's 2019 pick here it is i hate the idea of giving up any pick that could be among the top five for a guy who played jv basketball as a high school sophomore what that has to do with anything and by the way michael jordan as a freshman was not on his high school varsity team uh adam you react to this
1: yeah, I'm going to give you uh, the next paragraph that I think is really my favorite in this. He goes, uh, I'm surely not convinced Fulce will be better than Josh Jackson, whom I have seen play, and I think he's going to be the best player in the draft. Like, oh, the one guy you saw, like, huh, oh, you, you viewed him and you're a little biased. Okay. But my favorite part is he follows it up with, that's just a guess, just an opinion. Of course, History tells us that the guys making the fix are also just guessing based on their educated opinions. It also tells us that they're often wrong. So he literally said, even though I haven't seen one of these guys, and I'm making a blind guess that the guy that I did see was better than the guy I didn't see, you should take my expert opinion because they're guessing too, so my guesses are the same as their guesses. That's what he wrote. And he wrote that, guess what? When they guess they're wrong too. So they're gonna be wrong about this guy. It's it's insane. Uh, I was I was walking around my house yesterday freaking out and I, I, I told my dad and he goes, Oh, you should have just told me it was Brookover. he isn't what the hell he's talking about. It's it's unbelievable that this is accepted. I am so happy to watch Sixers Twitter and read all of the really good writers at all of the different websites, get it and understand perspective and have research. And then to go to the main paper that I know, and we wonder why there is a separation in this city between people that get it and people that don't. Because the people that don't are the people that get the paper every day and that's all they read. And I feel bad for them because they are force-fed slop from someone who doesn't take their job seriously and has been like they're a tenured professor that doesn't get touched for decades, and it's insane. And we wonder why there's a disconnect between the generations because there is a media contingent in this city that doesn't do work. They don't do work. They just sit there and go, never saw them, but here's my hot take. And then someone, I guarantee you, will be at a Wawa this morning sipping on coffee and look at another person, and they're getting ready to go to work, and they go, I don't know, man, might be too much. You think it's too much? You think it's too much? No, it's not too much. That's my issue. It's, it's unbelievable.
0: I, I just figured it would take a little prodding to get you off. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Um, I just To get him to go off. Thank um, you. Do Thank we you. do we update you, the
2: rankings of the top five, bottom five? Brookover has to has to make that list now.
0: Yeah, I don't have the ranking list in front of me, but yeah, he he just he just absolutely entered the penetrated to, the top five. To, to quote
2: to quote the great Chris Jericho, you just made the list. I don't actually um, know what
0: that means, but yeah, I don't either. Um, yeah, I don't good. know. If... I
1: like Jericho.
0: I don't know if this is more ignorant or arrogant. To start off a column, like this, I, I don't just said everything that needs to be said. But to start off a column, like the the ignorance it takes to say from the bat i haven't watched this guy i i haven't even attempted to learn about him look there are most people talking about this right now didn't didn't watch a whole lot of washington games last year i certainly didn't but there is so much information and the ability to go see his game to watch countless highlights both positive and negative to watch entire condensed versions of his games on youtube it's not like you just have to go watch his highlight reel you could you could go see like every shot he took in a game you can evaluate him in the span of a few hours at least to have an idea of what his game looks like never mind all the scouting reports and in like super in-depth scouting reports for a potential number one nba pick it is very easy to educate yourself on this guy and it is so ignorant such old school philly hot takery to sit there and say well I haven't seen this guy but I I'm a, I'm an old white guy who writes for a newspaper and goddamn it my opinion is more important than anybody's that is so so goddamn ignorant to say that and then to go on and make just like some half-assed hacky thing oh, oh he was a JV high school player just 3 years ago what the fuck does that have to do with anything it has it has nothing to do with anything like if you just wanted to start, like like start battling in shit takes with him, you could just be, you could do what I did. You'd be like, well, well, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school team. How many star players do you hear were were initially cut from some roster? Like go fuck yourself. The guy grew. He's 6'4 with a six ten wingspan. He wasn't that big three years ago.
1: It's actually a positive. He's a late bloomer, so maybe we haven't even seen his potential yet.
0: I Agree with you. Uh, um. Yeah.
2: I I just want to take a second, guys. When I read the names like De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball and Josh Jackson, think about where we were a week a week ago. We were trying to rationalize drafting any of these guys with massive holes in their game, and here we are a week later, about to draft a, a the the perfect member of this triumphant this trio of the core, who has no glaring weaknesses, who has great measurables physically with his ridiculous wingspan a guy who is absolutely going to be a foundational piece and part of this just dramatic shift in philadelphia sports and we don't have to deal with any more crap talking about De'Aaron fox's broken jump shot we don't have to talk about malik monk's lack of defense and his being too small to play shooting guard guys this is great stuff we are getting the guy
1: yeah, we I, are, I, I like, keep trying to think of a nickname for Simmons, Embiid, and Fultz, and I can't. There's no, there's none that come up. Their initials don't lead to anything.
2: Somebody I, tried to do Feds. feds. I've feds. Seen feds. feds. I don't I like that. Feds. No, I, I'm not. Believe uh, me, it's going to be a great, a great trio. One of the greatest. Love the Feds. Fantastic. Like, I I, 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 I feel know.
0: like Russ. To your point. You're right. Just a week ago, we talked about how this this upcoming week and off for the Sixers was all about compromise. They were going to have to compromise on a draft pick. They're going to have to pick someone who didn't check a box they wanted to pick. Uh, Adam, you got to run. I know, right? So I'll let you get. If you got a last word here,
1: uh, I think that this yeah, I appreciate. It. I think this is a an amazing time. I think that I look at these young guys, and I, these are the three guys I would want. I don't know if they're going to turn out well. I can't control the future and injuries and all that stuff, but Embiid, Simmons, and Foltz, uh, I'm I'm ecstatic. I look at Carson Wentz, and I'm ecstatic. Uh, the Flyers, uh, they're having their draft on Friday and the second pick in a two-player draft. So I feel like we're in the bounce-up, and it feels really good, and I hope as Philadelphia fans out there, if you're listening to this, I hope you're excited too because um it's gonna get real from now you know and from now it's gonna be evaluations and all that stuff but this week feels like a celebration and i'm super excited i see the potential and i'm excited to see where it goes
0: we'll see you later you got to catch a bus yeah fun with that yeah
2: enjoy and enjoy that bus we will we'll be thinking about you
0: we're the only podcast where uh the three of us never finish together ever or rarely it's
2: it's it is it is a rarity at this point
0: um he's right we've turned i think this is the this is kind of the the point where we've turned a corner i didn't even think of it in the context of the eagles and flyers and having three of the four teams get high level um you know almost can't miss prospects over over the last 12 month 12 plus month period 14 month period um russ you know you talked about this being the uh, like, we talked about it being the culmination. Previously, it was all about compromise, right? So we were going to take someone who didn't check a box. We're going to settle for best available again and maybe a Josh Jackson, which, by the way, I love him as a player. Maybe not the best fit on the Sixers, which, which that would have meant... The Sixers going out in the free agency and maybe compromising, maybe accelerating their timeline through free agency and not quite matching that up. Like if you're matching up, when I match up tracks for this in GarageBand, you know, sometimes they don't quite align. The free agency may not have aligned with your draft picks and your prospects and your core. Um, th- there was going to be compromises that would have had to have been made because you couldn't get the guy, the guy all along that, you know, you kind of identified. The process, like who is the guy we sell the farm to go up and get? And that guy, right now at this moment, is Fultz. And it's not just because it's going to be Fultz's team, but it's because you can form this core of him, Simmons, and Embiid. So we have gone from compromise to, to your point, like turning the corner. It's amazing that we're here even talking about this. And the reason I think we're all okay with what the Sixers gave up and would have been okay if they gave up more was because you're you're getting the perfect core that's going to be able to match the timeline. All compromise has been stripped away. And to look at future picks and say, oh, well, I needed that or I needed a few more protections doesn't matter because you've just stripped away compromise and you have set up the core that you need going forward. Now, granted, two of these guys have never played an NBA game, but... Like There are very few few sure things in sports, short of the Warriors adding Kevin Durant, where you can almost pencil them in for a title. Almost every move or signing or draft pick in sports is not a sure thing. But if anyone were to sit here and say four years ago, all right, four years from now, the Sixers are going to have three of the best players to come out of the drafts over the next four years. And oh, by the way, they're all going to complement each other. One guy's a lead guard. One guy's a ball-handling point forward and the other guy is an, an absolute superstar center i don't think we could possibly be happier so the way the narrative has changed in the last week is just it's just remarkable uh it's and well, you could the th- feel the excitement the big- online it's it's crazy yeah like the, the biggest part of it is
2: this is exactly i think if you would have said some this to somebody four years ago they probably would have said good that means hinky's plane is going to work you know what i mean like the yeah. the like we we are essentially at the spot that that you would have hoped all along that we would have gotten to um you know like okafor over porzingis is like i think the one smudge the one dark mark on on hanky's tenure as as the sixers gm see but let me give you Uh, a counter let me give you a
0: counter argument to that i agree with you are you gonna go with
2: the owner thing because like the there there is no way to spin that like the okafor thing was was a terrible pick and, and Hold like on. i'm I know gonna that- spin it
0: i'm gonna spin it for you because here here's how you spin it yeah you you on that right a lot of gms exacts in every sport miss on talent in the draft you could go look at any player who wasn't taken number one and find a g any great player who wasn't taken number one and find a gm who looks like a donkey the whole point though of the process is going into it with open eyes knowing that not everything is perfect that, is, that was the whole point of this. And Hanky wrote about this in his manifesto. The, the, the hardcore process guys got this from the beginning. It's about increasing your odds. Nothing is a sure thing in sports. Again, short of adding Kevin Durant to the Warriors, which is as, as close to a sure thing as you're going to see from an acquisition standpoint, from an addition standpoint. Nothing is a sure thing, especially when you're building through the draft. And the whole point of it is giving yourself options, increasing your chances. So for if, if you do this for one year and you miss on Porzingis, then you failed. But when you do it four years in a row and you add other teams draft picks, you give yourself the, the benefit. And I've said this all along. Like if, if they hit on 40% of their lottery picks, it's gonna be a huge success. Like to me, that's what the process is about. So yeah, you can go look at certain picks, say, oh, this didn't work out. They wound up getting rid of Noel. Like there were definitely things that went wrong, but if you increase your odds, and you increase your sample size. Eventually, you're going to have success. It's like giving a great hitter in baseball f- five, you know, five at bats in a game, or or looking at his stats over the course of a month rather than a game. Like he could have a bad game, but over the course of a month, that guy's going to rise above the crop. And that's that's what the optionality was all about. It was about getting increasing your chances. And now here we are, four years later, and there was you can point to one or two things where they've missed. But that doesn't matter like that's the beauty of it like it doesn't matter because I, I think any of us would say well would we have taken porzingis in one draft or would we admit that we missed on porzingis and walk out of this with Embiid, uh simmons and Fultz?" and i don't think anyone would choose would choose the first option there yeah you're right did i win you over <laughs> I, I well, got you not, off
2: Porzingis. No, I mean it wasn't. No, no, no. Like it wasn't a matter of winning me over. Like I, I get what was at stake. Like you're, you're talking to a Hinky Truther. Like I, I, get it. I'm just saying that it's unfortunate that, that in the grand scheme of things, that they weren't able to make that lottery pick and that bad season a player that you actually want to build around long term. Like just imagine if, if that draft goes slightly differently. Like we're talking. I guess this is where like the Dario the Dario move was was such a big one and such an underrated move Mm -hmm. because you managed to convert drafting Alfred Payton into two first rounders and which included Dario and like Dario ended up being this guy that that was not really a throw-in of sorts but was a guy that you didn't really know what he would turn into and he was so Mm -hmm. much better in that first year than I think most people expected him to be um he's not a guy that I think you would like going back and redrafting that draft that you would like take top five but Dario has ended up kind of I think outplaying where he
0: was drafted at he might be rookie of the year that's the that's the crazy thing here like we're his guy who's a second he's an afterthought to us and he might be the rookie of the year
2: yeah I, I don't know I mean in theory yeah he's up for it will he win it probably not but
0: But there's a reasonable argument to be made. Is my point like this is not? Yeah, you know we were talking about Michael Carter Williams way back. Like ever you know, people were talking about Michael Carter Williams, and I'll admit I wasn't like in love with that trade. I, you're you're disappointed. You're like, wow, this guy won Rookie of the Year, and we're trading him, right? No, 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 Uh, no. Okay, I know you're you're a hinky truth. I know all the hinky truthers. None of the hinky truthers ever had a problem with this. I get it. They 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 refuse to go back. And uh, anyone, no one will acknowledge the fact there was a slight part of them that was like, man, we just gave up a a pretty good young, uh, a pretty Good now, play right a good season. No, nope. okay. everyone's right. Nope. Everyone. You're, you're, no, everyone. No, this is why you, people don't like Hinky Truthers. The ne- never well, quite. So, sorry, sorry. Then you're
2: on the wrong side of history with that. But like when that trade went down. It was, all right, you're getting rid of this, this young point guard who had promised. Like, go back and look at the hinky quote. You were one of the ones, when you were doing your own version of Retweet Armageddon on, what was it, Saturday? Yeah. You even put up the hinky quote that he, he said that they would have to have their doors blown off in order for them to trade him, and they thought that this asset was worth it. Well, he was right, and at the time, we knew that the Lakers were bad. I mean, we knew that the Lakers could have been absolutely atrocious, and that that pick, the ability for that year over year... To keep, uh, you know, conveying to the next year, could be a ridiculously valuable asset. And look at it now: that MCW trade and that Sacramento fleece job are what got you, Markel Fultz. You haven't, like, if well,
0: I'm not it, look, I'm it, not it, the, the, the arguing whole, with you that it can, shook out great. I'm, uh, all I was saying was that there were definitely a few process trusters who now won't admit it. Not saying they, they hated the trade, but there were definitely a few process people who at the time were like, you know, 50-50, which is kind of how I was. Like, okay, this is good. I could, they got a lot of value for a guy who's, whose value is, is as high as it's ever going to be, coming off a rookie of the year on a, on a very depleted rookie class. But the, there's, there's also nothing insane about about people then who were like eh, you know it kind of sucks to give up a guy who at least you know is going to be somewhat decent in the NBA yeah but saying like well it
2: kind of sucks that you gotta get rid of him yeah that's different than being upset with what you got back for him like by his second year his the the holes in his game were already showing up it wasn't it wasn't like we were watching him improve in his second year like but by the end of his rookie year we kind of knew that that the holes in his game were had not improved that year and by the time the second year rolled around we saw those those holes even more glaringly so it was a a rare situation for a philadelphia team to sell high on a young player and and like look where mcw is now both the player and the former uh update anchor yeah and and like and where this lakers pick got them now like it is it is absolutely truly mind-bending
0: Oh, I agree, uh, and th- there's no, like, there, look, we don't have to sit here and debate the merits of the trade. It struck out beautifully. Uh, my, one of my favorite things, I don't know if you saw this, on Saturday night, was people uh, tweeting at Michael Carter Williams, thank you. <laughs> and he's yes, responding. and him saying, and him saying with for what? Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy, because yeah, he, like, he did nothing wrong. No, he did nothing wrong in this scenario was, other he was than a
2: existing. nice. he was a nice young man. He, he came in, <laughs> he played hard, uh, he he wasn't that good, but he, he played hard, and he was good. Pretty good here for a year. Man, I I love it. I fans trolling former former Sixers has become one of my favorite things to read on Twitter. Like Evan Turner, um I'd love to see the look on his face now because it was I think two weeks ago. Somebody tweeted at him about I don't know, about being a a bad team out in Portland or something like, like about something with Portland. And he said, Yeah, see you guys in the playoffs in like four years. Well, guess what, Evan? Uh-oh. The Sixers are already better than your team. Uh, like they a... they will they will be better for longer than the team that you currently play for. Oh, no, absolutely! Um, and, and it's here... amazing too if you think about the money that Evan Turner got uh, to be a a mediocre at best player, a yeah. former number two overall pick. Again, why it is so important to make this trade and get up and get the guy. That is a locks, a locked and loaded top player in the draft. Because God forbid you would have had to go and pick like a Josh Jackson or Alonzo Ball or a De'Aaron Fox or a Jason Tatum with holes in their game. And you would have ended up with Evan Turner 2.0. Oh
0: no! Oh, oh. let's let's. I don't know if you're being facetious. I just
2: like there. throwing the name Evan Turner around because I know it upsets you and it gets you. Uh, well, no, it, it, no, it doesn't upset me. Up.
0: But I, I don't think you comparing those guys to Evan Turner is fair. Now that we have faults, it looks like you're you're like you're okay. I you to I want pile you to, on on. I, want you to I want
2: you to I want you to pull out for pull out of of this mindset for a second. Take a look at the difference between what John Wall was and what Evan Turner was, right? Everybody knew that Wall was the best player in the draft. Evan Turner was a di- was on a different tier below. It's the same thing in this draft. Fultz is on his own is on his own tier, like a John yes. Wall was, yes. and everybody else is on a, a lower tier that has holes in their game. Okay, so again, uh, stop. This is stop. like
0: this stop is- for one sec. I think you're, I, but I think you're too easily, and we're, we're going down. I, I don't even know why we're even arguing this right now. But I don't think you can just because a guy is a tier below the number one pick doesn't automatically make him Evan Turner. Josh Jackson, Malik Monk, the Aaron Fox all have one very superior in some cases more than one very superior skill lonzo ball right all four of those guys have have a superior skill that i think evan turner was missing all along so while i agree with you that it would have been somewhat disappointing to make the compromise or take a guy like a turner who hey if he ever develops a shot sort of thing i agree like totally that would have been disappointing but i don't think it's fair to compare those guys to evan turner because i i feel like all of the top six guys in just in this draft are very good prospects, and I would not I would not have been upset with with basically any of them other than Jason Tatum. So I, man, I, I'm I'm so happy that we don't even have to think about it anymore.
2: I I've been yeah, there I agree. So many nights that I was upset thinking about like the biggest disappointment would have been for me to have drafted Josh Jackson or to have drafted Jason Tatum because it just wouldn't have moved the needle for me. Lonzo would have just been fun because Lonzo's dad versus Jaleel's dad. Assuming Jaleel's actually here when the when the uh, season starts, would have just been comical.
0: But there, man, there's am a great I, am video on, on YouTube comparing Fultz to uh, Lonzo Ball. And I know it's one guy's breakdown, but he, he goes through like seven, eight, nine different dimensions of their games and compares them. And uh, it really does have you, it, it, he, he does a nice job of showing you the differences and why Fultz is such a better prospect than ball uh, and i'd recommend not- everybody i put it in our post uh on i guess friday i'll try and repost it today it's really good um and you come a- away with it understanding why false is much more of a sure thing even if ball has a few superior skills here and there this might be a
2: bad comparison but i i wanted to bring this up last week so we'll see maybe people will like it maybe they'll hate it there was that debate going on last week about kyrie irving versus Allen iverson and about how Kyrie's ability to shift and to change speeds and to just be elusive as a ball handler will translate better for an entire career than Iverson did because of Iverson's speed. And and when I was trying to rationalize the idea of like drafting De'Aaron Fox, this is before, you know, we knew that Fultz was going to be a thing. You look at what Fultz is, he's got that elusiveness and that shiftability that that Kyrie has. Whereas De'Aaron has has that Iverson level speed. And I just think about over the the length of their careers i think it's just another reason that i get so excited about faults like his game is not contingent like he's a pretty quick guy but his entire game isn't built around speed it's built on that being shifty and elusive and that's the kind of player that i think is is like best suited for the nba point guard like look at the james hardens of the world the way that that he's able to to break down defenders and to create without having to really use much speed, but rather a change of pace. I think it's just kind of the way that the league is going with point guards. So it's just an, another level and another reason why I, I absolutely am ecstatic to see Fultz play on this team.
0: Yeah, I'm never going to deny someone who has a skill. Like if if Fultz had was Fultz with the speed of, of Fox, we would all be thrilled. But I, I agree with you in principle, and this is why – I I didn't like Fox for the Sixers because he couldn't shoot. But this is why I'm the most, I think he's got one of the widest ranges of this top tier of guys, talking about Fox, because he's got this elite skill, but he's really raw in that. He's not a particularly good playmaker. He's not a terrific finisher. He's super light, like undersized, and he's not a great shooter. So he has the potential to round out his one superior skill, which is kind of his speed and dynamic ability um but that's why a lot of people are like well why don't we like fox he's got the skill i've there's a lot of people on twitter like why you're like like look man he is he could be great and he has with with, if he balances out that speed he could be the best guard out of this draft no one is arguing that that could happen but um it's also i would say the lowest percentage of happening so he may have the highest ceiling but the lowest chance of actually hitting that ceiling out of the guys certainly the guards in the top And with Lonzo Ball, like you look at his shot, as good as it is, it is his, his release starts at his hip. It's low. It's awkward. And one of the things, uh, this video on YouTube comparing Fulton Ball made a good point about was that Ball took a lot of his shots from deep because he needed extra space to get off the shot because it starts lower because it's a little slower and that like it's also hard to get off the dribble. Exactly, and the fact that you can't, Fultz has a higher release. Got, he's he's able to get it off quicker, and he's able to get it off in traffic. And in the NBA, you're not just going to be able to stand six feet behind the college line and jack it up like Lonzo is. You're going to be defended out there. You're going against longer, longer defenders. Um, these are all the the little things about Fultz's game that made him stand out. He doesn't have didn't have the speed of Jackson, doesn't have this, sp- uh, I'm sorry, the speed of Fox. He doesn't have the, the downright athleticism of Jackson. He doesn't have maybe the quickness passing ability and maybe right now just absolute range that Ball has and he, or the streakiness of Monk. But he does all of those things really well, and there's not one glaring weakness in his offensive game. He's a a plus 40% three-point shooter. He can get off his shot in traffic. Like you said, he's shifty. And his ability to finish around the rim, though he's not as quick as Fox, is way better than Fox's. Fox is left-hand dominant, gets in trouble when he gets into the paint, kind of runs into the paint, then decides what to do. Fultz already shows NBA-level ability, and like Adam said, he's a late bloomer at 19 And he's already surpassed those other guys basically over the past 12 months. He wasn't a prospect ranked ahead of Fox and Ball 12 months ago. Um, So that bodes really well.
2: While Fox is a plus defender, you know, this, I guess, is kind of where we get into, uh, like, why I was so high on Donovan Mitchell if you were going to get 5 and 10 because his measurables were... I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm sorry. No, no. Stop with Dennis Smith. Um, No, why Donovan Mitchell was so intriguing because he has the length and, like, I know that people got on Fultz the same way that they got on Simmons for a lack of defensive effort in college, but the, the guy having a 6'10 wingspan cannot be, I, I don't think, can be understated. It's if, if there's a guy who's going to, to instill defensive principles in Fultz, it's going to be Brett Brown. And if nothing else, you have to remember that I think they, they finished 17th or 19th overall in defense last year, the Sixers did. But with Joel Embiid on the court, they were number one in defensive rating, defensive, defensive efficiency. If you're able to get at least a, a pretty full season out of Embiid, meaning like he plays the games that you want him to play, and he sits the games you want him to rest, there's no massive injury that happens, they should be a top 10 defense. If they're able to get Fultz to buy in defensively with that wingspan, there's no reason they can't be a top 10 defense. There was an article somebody wrote yesterday. I don't remember who. I'll I'll have to look it up later. But um, they they said that legitimately the Sixers, if things go well, and that is a, a very big uh, qualification on this. If things go well, they could definitely be a top defensive team in the NBA, and and that is in no small you know portion uh, responsible for to Joel Embiid. So it there are just so many things to get excited about this team i'm sure we will go down many more rabbit holes than we already did today i feel like we got lost somewhere on the way to wonderland or whatever uh the mad hatter and the cheshire cat are smiling upon us in this moment um but man it, it is just so exciting and i'm i'm beyond ecstatic uh I, I will finally feel good for the first time when this trade goes official because i i just think danny Ange is a sleaze but i think it's too far along now for it to not happen so i'm Beginning to allow myself to have the uh, the joy of Fultz being a member of this team.
0: Yeah, it's done. <laughs> imagine, imagine the outrage if they t- if the Sixers were to take Jackson. Just Im- I know it's not going to happen, but just imagine if the Sixers were to draft Jackson number one on Thursday night. Like, I think oh, I think some building nice somewhere things. would actually catch fire if that happened.
2: This is why we can't have nice things because you take a glorious moment and you just have to go cynic on us no i know I, I will know. tell you something I just, if, I just
0: like if somehow
2: envisioning if that somehow happens. the sixers if brian big collar colangelo makes the move up to number one and they earl thomas this draft i swear there is no chance they better move to camden if they draft josh jackson they had better get get those uh, those moving papers going get get out to camden and have nobody come out and watch the team at that point because you would have made such an egregious error all right uh, so that's a good place we just to had wrap to finish it. on a low note no we I were didn't. on such I... a we were at such a positive place and... all right
0: uh, here we'll finish on a high note there's a i'm gonna i didn't watch it because we're sitting here talking but there's a sports science video uh showing, oh my god yo
2: no no, no. I, I, watched okay. I watched it
0: okay i watched
2: it i watched it three times it is awesome so if if you were big on d'angelo russell a few years ago as a prospect his sports science video was awesome and that was what sold me on on him um this this thing is is incredible so Fultz goes up against a professional dodgeball team and they're whizzing the uh, dodgeballs at him at 60 miles per hour which they said he's going to have the amount of time to react as an mlb hitter would against 125 mile per hour fastball and the moves that he lays on on these guys as they are chucking these dodgeballs at him is just incredible. Wait, it this is, is real. Like is, he
0: actually went against guys throwing dodgeballs. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. All right. They're all around. They're all around the court.
2: They throw at different levels. He jumps. Like I, I'm. I i do not want to give away all of it, but like his spin move. Like the thing that I always love the most, I think, about, um, about the sports science videos is when they do comparisons to other players. Of like his spin move is as fast as this, or his his vert is as high as this. You have to watch it. It is it is easily one
0: of the most exciting things. All right, Fultz versus
2: a dodgeball team. If you can dodge a wrench. You
0: can dodge a ball. There it is. Fultz versus a dodgeball team. Uh, yeah, he look. He's a consensus number one guy. This is huge. The Sixers are going to get him. We'll talk more about this on Wednesday. Uh, I think we'll serve up some crow to some people, and we'll also get into uh, the Flyers. Actually, have a big week here, and there's there's some conjecture as to whether they'll take Nolan Patrick number one, uh, who's right now kind of the was the consensus Two. number one guy, or Nico Hirscher. Yeah. So there's actually some Flyer stuff to talk about this week. Uh, but right and the now,
2: expansion th- draft. Woo-hoo. Yeah.
0: Right now it's all Sixers. So uh, big day. Sixers are going to complete the trade for Markel, uh for the Celtics number one pick today, with which they'll take Markel Fultz. Um, that's a it. moment we'll... of
2: silence for Markel Fultz's knee.
0: Yeah, no, please, no, no, no. Don't you even just broke don't... the moment of silence. Don't even yeah, because we're not hurt, it. it's, it. it's your fault. It's your fault. We're not jinxing it. We'll have a moment of silence for Embiid. And there it is. All right. Uh, we will see you on Wednesday for Adam Lefko and Russell Joy. I'm Kyle. Uh, Kyle oh, Scott. whoa, whoa. Thanks,
2: Kyle, Kyle. Lots. Don't forget NBA draft party. This Thursday, Ladder 15. And Why do we keep forgetting to say this? Ticket- Why is it not you say... Oh,
0: come on. Ticket Tickets... I know, I'm bad at this. Ticket sales are picking up NBA draft party Thursday night, Ladder 15... Uh, we have two options $10 cover which is a $5 domestic special or a $30 cover gets you a two hour open bar from six to eight we know it's going to happen now so it's it's le- it's a party I'm going to change the name to an NBA draft celebration because it's just going to be uh, people getting drunk and regaling over the folds pick so come the seven o'clock the pick will be right smack dab in the middle of a two hour open bar I uh, can get tickets at crossingbroad.com I'll have links all over the place and be tweeting them out over the next few days um, thanks for listening, and remember if you haven't already, subscribe in iTunes. Leave us a five star review. It helps. Um, thanks, and we will see you on we'll see you on Wednesday.